Hi, welcome to Coach Beard's Book Club. I'm Michaela, Coach Beard's assistant. Together with Andrea, Bex and Marita, we'll be diving into the books mentioned or seen in the Apple TV series Ted Lasso. So if you love Ted Lasso as much as Van Damme loves Amsterdam, then join this group of four women, handpicked by Beard himself, and let's go. Greyhounds, we're so excited to have a guest with us. You will have seen him in Good Omens and the fantastic BBC comedy Black Ops, but he's best known for channeling his raging enthusiasm into ways to help his community. It's our beloved pub lad Baz from Ted Lasso. Welcome to Coach Beard's Book Club, Adam Colburn. Hey! Hey, hey. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. You're so welcome. So I think we're just, we've got we've all got some questions for you, and we've got I think we're kicking off with Andrea, aren't we? Yes, Indeed. I got the first one. Yeah. Oh, um, okay. So yeah, so tell us tell us about some books you've been reading lately, and uh, do you have a recent favorite? Yeah, great, great. Um, it's actually really sort of good timing that that I came and chat to you guys because it was my New Year's resolution resolution to read more books. And so this year was like, yeah, was, I, I set myself a goal of 24 books and I have an app. I can't remember what the app's called, but it logs all my reading. Um, and I think currently I am, um, I'm six books behind off target. So I'm really kind of falling by the wayside with this. However, yeah, I have been reading a lot more than I usually do recently, which is good and exciting. And I'm, I'm really pleased because I love to read. I think I, I started off, I started over Christmas with uh, To Paradise by Hanya Yanagihara, um, which is a great stunning book um, as as is to be expected with with her work it's, it's amazing and yeah that was that was really really great you know like an epic epic read and then what else then I moved on to some more like um, Cloud Cuckoo Land as well that was um, that was an interesting read too it had a similarity in that it kind of spanned lots of generations and it was like kind of like threading this tale intergenerationally that was that was really interesting and it, and it went from I think it was like ancient ancient Rome ancient Greece um all the way up to, to the future um on a spaceship so um that was great and that appealed to my sort of like fantasy vibes I, I like all that and what else um I came I came to America in March to do the Ted Lasso premiere and on the flight I read um Dolores Claiborne so Stephen King which I thought was fantastic I love I love the way he he wrote that book because it's like um it's actually like a monologue there's there's no you know there's no there's no she said he said it's all just completely I want to say stream of consciousness but it's not stream of consciousness it's just sort of like stream of you know verbal verbalizing kind of what I'm doing now um but yeah no, so that, that was fantastic and actually that was the first Stephen King book I read so so I I was um I was turned on to Stephen King a lot by that book it was really good good choice yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Great You've got choice. a lot of nods across the across the room here as we're we're listening to the different titles. Yeah. So that's exciting. <laughs> that's good. That's good. I'm I'm pleased that I'm not alone in that. But yeah, my favorite book this year, I have to say, is Piranesi by Susanna Clark. It's a fantasy novel. Um she wrote Jonathan Strange and Mr. Norrell. Okay. Most of my references are going to be fantasy based or, or sci-fi or I'm the fantasy side. That's yeah. me. Yeah. Yeah, totally. <laughs> me all over as well. It's 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 great. I love that genre really. Um, but yeah, Piranesi, it's like it's yeah, it's set in this great mansion. It's this great huge hall. Um, and he is this lonely guy, and he's the only one that lives there. And it's like thousands and thousands of like kilometers like 
wide long you know um and it has so many halls and there's different weather in each hall and he has different like there's a huge different statues that he kind of like goes around it's like a labyrinth basically and then he meets somebody else in in the labyrinth and then the, the sort of story unfolds um and obviously i won't no spoilers <laughs> but um it was really really fantastic i loved it and it was such an easy read and also a short book which after having read some you know pretty epic long ones I really, I really enjoy a short read as well. It feels satisfying to just sort of get it done. <laughs> and then I can take a book off my list and move on to the next one. That yes. is so me. I, 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 that is so me. I'm like, I need to get a book off my list. I'll do a really short one. <laughs> so I've got six to go before I'm back on target. So it's going to be like, I don't know, maybe plays or novellas or something like that, just to just get me back up to track. <laughs> Comic books are a good way to... Yeah, if you like that genre at all, but especially for sci-fi fantasy, there's a lot of great comic mm-hmm. books. There are Lock and Key. You might like because I just wrote the book down. You you said because it reminded me of Lock and Key, mm-hmm. and that is a graphic novel, real fantasy. And I'm okay. um, I'm starting that just now as well. So okay, okay, I should check that out for sure. I know the whole graphic novel world is almost like a whole other thing, you know, like in a comp- loads and loads of stuff. And my, my, my good friend reads a lot of graphic novels, so yeah, I should get on that. So speaking of books to read, what books are at the top of your to-be-read pile and what are you looking forward to reading the most? What have I got on my to-read pile? I have a bookshelf of books that I'm like, I will read you one day. I think I do that thing. I think you probably might agree with me here. I like <laughs> go into a bookshop because I love a bookshop. There's something just like... I'm, amazing about going and going in and picking something up and flicking through and, and just that like like visceral books in your hand and the smell and all that stuff so I do do a lot of buying <laughs> getting around to reading is, a different, is another story I'm trying to think what I'm actually thinking about reading I have this book called Rumo by Walter Mowers and he is like I don't know if I pronounce his name right but he writes like they're like kids novels they've got loads of illustration in them and they're really fantastical one's called um captain the 13 and a half lives of captain blue bear and it's it's really kind of like um youthful but it's it's an adult fantasy adventure epic and it's really funny as well and i almost kind of want to liken him to a bit of like a modern day terry pratchett because it's really like odd and there are loads of creatures and the things that you never hear of and they're in space or they go all over this all over the shop basically um and so i have another one called rumo which is about this this sort of dog creature that um that I'm, I'm keen to read but again it's like 600 pages so i need to read some short ones first but with pictures right there 600 are, well yeah there are, there are pictures you're right so right, that that helps helps me with it a little bit and I actually want to read more Stephen King because I really really love Dolores Claiborne I've been reading some short stories of his which I'm like picking up and putting down but there's definitely there's definitely some fodder in there that I love that I would love I'm sure I'm yeah sure. my um, first Stephen King was Carrie so yeah. okay. <laughs> that, that's a classic right the the from the film probably most people remember in the blood scene and everything but I um, and when I was far too young, do you like vampires at all? <laughs> oh yeah. Um, well, uh, I need to stop talking about this. I talk about it quite a lot, and I talked about it probably a bit too much on the last um, chat I had. Um, but I'm I'm an absolute um, hardcore till I die Buffy fan. So yeah, I'm an absolute. Yes, Buffy. <laughs> exactly. Well, Stephen King has a vampire book called Salem's Lot, and it's like one of the best vampire books out there. Okay. Yeah, I agree. Okay. I might bump that to the top, actually. Yeah, I'd love to read a good vampire novel. 
I I read Midnight's I read Midnight's Children by Salman Rushdie this year. I read that at uni. Ooh, oh, did you? I haven't read yeah. it yet. Okay, but I don't want to slag it off. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 that's fine. <laughs> I was just it was an it was an interesting one for sure because I loved fantasy mm-hmm. and I was like, oh, this looks so interesting. You know, it's um literary kind of like historical fantasy, and I was really really excited by it. But I was really I found the I found the language in it really hard. I, I struggled it with it, hard to and I thought it was just because I did it at uni that it kind of put me off reading, and I never really got back into reading till the book club. Um, but yeah, I, str- I struggled with it as well. Mm-hmm. As I got through it, I decided to let it let take it in in a very you wide broad way you know mm-hmm. I decided to just let it flow over me like and some books really work like that like let the language and let the words just kind of like go in and what, yeah. do what they do what they do as opposed to it being you know so much about like the plots and yeah stuff. but I have to say when it comes to like that literary versus sort of genre style mm-hmm. I'm a genre boy I think uh, yeah I mean, I there are obviously some fantastic literary books that I will I, I do love but um I it's okay I, I'm a literature professor oh. so. <laughs> no it's totally fine because I tell my students that kind of thing all the time right there are many different types of texts to read and especially when you're talking about fiction you're still learning about humanity and the way in which the world works no matter whether it's genre or like literature in quotation Mm -hmm. marks because like I have a very broad definition of what that entails you know I'm gonna teach a course that's all based on comics and graphic novels in the in the fall that all counts as literature so I I I just don't want to see people downplaying things like genre because it's just as legitimate right (laughs) and Marita can take a genre and then give you a literary view of it like that's something I really enjoy from listening to like to Marita's parts she'll take the bits out of Ted Lasso and like it's so fascinating the Frankenstein that you did with um, Nate she did a piece on Frank, like the sort of comparing Frankenstein to Nate's journey, and it was phenomenal. Mm. You know, out of a out of a sitcom, so it's you can I I learn so much from everyone here. I think, and yeah, and and you're right, and um, you you're right, you're right, you're right to to draw that com- to comparison, or obviously, um, and and what's struck me well not struck me because I think I kind of I knew this but when you maybe people don't realize when you're thinking about writers of comedy you might not expect it to be as deep as it is or them to have the you know the, the brains and and, and or, or whatever whatever you want to say about about writers people might assume that it's just easy to write comedy and that mm-hmm. you know it's just like oh it's just funny people writing funny things but like they are insanely, insanely intelligent. Like you just know, and being around them, you learn a lot because you, you and, and they would rehash the script. And Jason particularly would like be there, like you know, we're going to change that one, we're going to change that one, and we'd always yeah. be changing the script. And so you couldn't, couldn't learn it really. You could learn it, but just be able to forget it quickly. Uh-huh. As well. Um, so watching them do their really clever, clever stuff is just um, is 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 really really cool. And yeah, you're right that I'm sure they the Frankenstein thing was something they would have talked about in the writers' room. I'm sure, you know. Yeah, it was. It was just really enjoyable. And like you say, you know, it's, we always say the silly little football show, and that we get so much from it. So it's it's like Beg says, you can learn from pretty much anything, really. So I, I loved what you were saying about going into the bookshops and all that. I used to work in a bookstore. I worked in a library before I became uh, an educator. 
But um, when I worked in the library, I worked in the children's department. So I'm curious about like what if you had one, what your favorite book was growing up? Yeah, great question. I, I yeah, it was it was a lot of fantasy. It was a lot of vampires. There was a book called The Little Vampire. Um, I read that. I loved that book. And I actually went, I took it on holiday with me. And um, I don't know if you know of this person in the UK, we had this um, TV morning host called Anthea Turner. And I went on holiday to Ibiza as a child. I I wasn't clubbing, Um, but um, she was there doing this like whole summertime morning show, chat show. And I met her and I just had this book and I was like, well, you signed this book. So my little vampire book is signed by Anthea Turner, which is, a really odd combination of things but it's um it's there it's signed um probably worth something now but <laughs> I love that that's a great yeah, combination it was, it was just a bit bizarre and random and she was probably like why am I signing this book I didn't write this book but anyways um so I love the little vampire what else did I love I loved like Narnia and stuff like that all the Narnia books but really I kind of I, I my love for the line the witch in the wardrobe came from watching my sister be in a play version of it and so from that, I got to know this story because I was quite young and then obviously kind of like read the book later on and loved that too. And yeah, I suppose um, the Doomsday Trilogy as well was fantastic. I don't know if anybody read that, but that's also a great kids uh, yeah, trilogy. Just anything that had magic in it, I'm there. I'm just like, great, let's let's take, take me away. But yeah. So basically what I'm taking away from this is we're all just like making our to read list even longer. This is great. Yeah. I love yes. this. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I got, yeah, exactly. Going back to the kids books. I think that's quite nice though, when you're an adult, because if you get to sort of like, it just really transports you, I think back to a time in your life, doesn't it? And so, yeah, if ever I dip back in, I'm like, oh, it's juicy. It's nice. All right. So if you could play a role in an adaptation of any book, what would, what mm. book would you choose and what part would you play? Great question. I, um, well, actually, when I when I was younger, I was in, uh, I, well, my sister was in The Lion, the Witch and the Wardrobe, and then I was in The Lion, the Witch and the Wardrobe much later, and I wanted to play Edmund so badly. I really wanted to play Edmund because he's just like, horrible and he messes everything up and he fucks with them, and um, I just thought that looked like so much fun. And then instead I was Mr. Tumnus, which is like, he's nice, and, you know, <laughs> I was like, oh, <laughs> Yeah, I, which is weird because I'm not a horrible person in real life, but um, I just noticed a theme with my kind of characters here where they're a little bit spiky. So that would have been a really good one. What else would I have liked to have played? Um, do you know what? I, I loved A Little Life and I would love to play any character in, in that. It, I know um, I'm probably not the right ethnicity for a lot of the characters, but there are some fantastic characters and, and the friendship in that in that book is is so gorgeous and it was um it was on actually um I saw it at the theatre in London um about three months ago or so. Um an epic piece. And it's it's a lot. It was a lot. Um lot it was it was very long, obviously, as you'd expect from from such a book, but it was um yeah, yeah, very, very interesting to see it on stage, actually. It was it was interesting to take that story, which is, you know, how a book you really sort of like have this luxury of taking time with it and you really kind of like fall in love with the characters and you really kind of like buy into their um, you know, what makes them tick and all that stuff. So seeing it on stage was was epic, but it was it was a really different experience to reading it. But I would have I would have loved to have been in that or, or played one of those characters for sure. Yeah. Like one of those books you don't want to finish reading when you get so into it and you've got 10 pages to go and it's just 
devastating because you know you have to leave it behind yeah and it was it was a really unique experience reading it I finished it in like four days I just couldn't I just could not could not put it down mm-hmm. um have you all read it I haven't no I've just nope, taken but I just added it <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, it's, that, that book is it's devastating it's epic it's devastating mm-hmm. just you will have to walk away from it like You'll have to like read and you'll be like, okay, just you, you sit down. I'm going to walk away in the freezer. Yeah. Oh, the shining. Yeah. You're so right. You're so right. It's definitely, you need a breather afterwards, but, um, yeah. and I remember being in the pub with a friend afterwards and she'd read it recently too. And two of the other people that we were with hadn't read it. And so we were like, I'm sorry, um, we're just going to, go over here for a, a quick second and it ended up being like a half an hour like we were holding each other's hands like oh my god and then what about this bit and what about this bit <laughs> it was just... that's a book club you had a book club in the pub we did yeah <laughs> there you go <laughs> i'd love our book club to meet in a pub one day <laughs> oh that would be great in the crown and anchor on the yeah. prince's head yeah that would yeah, be fantastic exactly. yeah that would be a good spot for you everyone. would have to be there you would have to be there yeah i'm always there there's a picture of me on the wall somewhere i think so oh, i love that that's <laughs> yeah, so cool it's, it's very cute it's very oh. cute we understand kind of books that you like hmm. my question is what genre of books or graphic novels do you think baz would be into mm. Yeah, I think Baz is probably not much of a reader, right? That's fair. But I, will, I, will, I will play along. I'm not going to leave it at that, of course. <laughs> Although saying that, I'm not saying he's opposed to reading. I don't think he's been, he's had that entry point of, of it. He's not, you know, had that springboard into like, oh, I like reading now. Um, I think he's probably read an autobiography, maybe David Beckham's or someone like that. Yeah. Um, I could say another more, um, um, slightly more, um what's the word slightly more specific footballer but I have absolutely close to no knowledge about football unfortunately that's <laughs> fine you're you're at home here <laughs> yeah do we yeah <laughs> our, our knowledge came from the show <laughs> yeah yeah well it was great because I learned you know I did I did learn because um K, KG and Bronson obviously who play Jeremy and Paul are football fans and so I turn around to them and be like so um what would we scream in this kind of part? And they'd be like, I don't know, just scream. I'd be like, good note. Okay, let's do it. <laughs> I think KG is specifically only tweets about football. Yeah, KG is oh, like... Man United, right? Man United, yeah, thank yeah. you. And, and um, Bronson is Fulham. But then, you know, they have a bit of a divided interest there because obviously what about Richmond? Whereas for me, the only team that I support or ever will or ever have supported is Richmond. So, Love it. you know, that's, 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 that's fitting for Baz. But yeah, um, well, I think he would be, I think he'd be into the autobiographies of the players and things like that, definitely. Or the Richmond Way, I'm sure he will read. Oh, um, I want that book to be real. I really want that book to be real. It was great when we were filming it because they'd made these absolutely beautiful, like, editions of it and, like, the sleeves on the cover and oh. it's the art department make everything look so real and great and he's like signing these books and then I actually never looked I didn't know what what book it was that they actually had within within the sleeve but it was um it was nice it should be an actual book (laughs) or or at least a very short forward by Roy Kent yeah yeah they they would have written that bit exactly I really want to see that I really want to see the really short forward by Roy Kent that would be amazing I imagine it extremely short (laughs) read it full of of four letter (laughs) words and (laughs) that was an excellent Roy Kent impression 
Thank you. Yeah, it was. That was phenomenal. You could play Roy Kent. If, I should if, play Roy Kent. Yeah, why not? <laughs> well, you know, when, when you listen to Brett actually talk, he's just like genuinely nice person and not cranky and angry so and you you seem to have that desire too to like play someone who's very different than your your everyday personality so there is a um, similarity there yeah he is very well spoken he's very very lovely um great loves you know loves his musicals and like stuff like that which is just such a great juxtaposition to Roy <laughs> um, <laughs> and actually love that because I love all the musical theatre references particularly in season three because I'm a big musicals fan as well so having all that stuff in conjunction with the footy is like ah oh, it's just such a beautiful combination <laughs> that you don't you don't often see together really do you um yeah, yeah. I think we might cover some of them actually for we do a team movie night because Mm. Andrea and Marita won't let us have a pillow fight, so we no, do. That's the team me, movie not Andrea. Andrea wants okay, so, yeah. a pillow fight too. <laughs> Andrea wants a pillow fight. Um, no, but I so swear. yeah, we have a movie night, so we might do some of the some of the musicals. I want to do Chicago because I love Chicago. Well, well, great, and how perfect for you as well. Um, Could I even answer the question? I didn't even know how to answer. It. Oh, oh, I think he just. I think if he was reading, just real quick, I think it would be like probably quite violent stuff. I think he quite gets off on the violence, you know. Like, um, you, I think it's when they're playing. I can't remember who they're playing. He says like they're they're playing like Italians or something like that. Baz is getting absolutely gassed up on how how <laughs> aggressive they are. Oh yeah, it's the Arsenal game, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, just... oh that's right. After they watch the video and they're all real pissed off when they right. yeah, that was yeah. great. Yeah. yeah. Well, maybe you should read the boys. That's another graphic novel, but that is a violent right. for anybody listening. Okay. I'll uh, recommend that to Baz. Yeah. <laughs> So there was this book as well that I read, actually, which I think would be perfect for Baz, too. Um, and it's, um, who's it by? It's by a guy called um, Mike George, I think. And it's called Don't Get Mad, Get Wise. And it's, oh. yeah, it's like, um, it talks about anger and it talks about, you know, what is anger and how to sort of like deal with anger and, and the, the, you know, just general philosophical, spiritual type things. I think this guy was... I think he was a monk or a Buddhist monk or something at one point. Um, and that's a book that I'm always like, Daz, read this. Don't get mad. Get wise. <laughs> Excellent. I think I've seen, did you put that on Twitter or Instagram? Or Actually, I before? might have. Yeah. And one of yeah. The- yeah. Yeah. You can just see Baz puzzling through that book at the pub and trying to mm-hmm. grapple with the individual ideas of, wait, what? <laughs> I yeah. have to do what? <laughs> it's like that. With, when you see him in, in, in the Coach Beard episode and, and uh, various other points as well, I think when he's talking to Dr. Sharon as well in um, an episode later on, they're talking about their dream. Right. Yeah. And um, when these, I don't know, like um, figures that he kind of respects um, say something wise or, or interesting, you know, his eyes sort of like glaze and he's like, I am blown away by you. <laughs> you know, so... I think he could do with a guru or somebody like that to like open his oh, mind. Yeah, I could see that. Yeah, I like that. <laughs> Definitely. Yeah, and how did they get? Um, you know, how do you think Paul got in with them? Paul is so right, oh, he's a sweetheart. He's so sweet. <laughs> Why does Paul put up with it? <laughs> Why is he so nice? I love to give him a hard time in in real life as well. Actually, like we have quite good banter, and um, we all do really. Um, and funnily enough, like I am, I'm the quietest one of the three of us. I have to oh, say it. Nice. <laughs> plan. Because then when, when they're like action, it's like, now I will scream. <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant. Will be heard. Um, why is he friends? I mean, I think they've probably been friends since school. 
that's really I think yeah. that's the thing about I say small town like Richmond not small town really it's London you know you have a you usually have a fairly wide wide world view but um yeah that's that thing like you know when you just you've got your mates you got your footy you move on you go to the pub and you do the same things you did at school just drunk <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah I and think Paul like, can see the good in them as well you know because he's an yeah. absolute sweetheart and there is good and bad in, in Jeremy and I think Paul can just see it yeah and, you definitely. know and even Paul has moments of like rage and like rah, like you know he does some mad like roaring in season three at one point and it's just like yes that was awful. a funny moment <laughs> yeah yeah it was but then also he's renowned for his singing on set hence why a lot of um high-pitched like what was that? like lots of high-pitched squealing as well was um was a great one when, when he comes out because it's um again that juxtaposition and again that thing about you know not what you expect about what you know m- men who you know who are you know sporting or or, or blokish there's always surprises and there's always something mm. that you're like oh that's out of character or oh I didn't expect that from you and mm-hmm. you know like when Roy wears that t-shirt that um Oh, the, tie-dye. the one that looks yeah. like the yellow brick road and the red brick road that's, oh <laughs> that's right. yeah oh, yellow brick road oh I didn't Blow spot that. Body. Somebody else on Twitter spotted that and I was like, oh, wow. But what you're saying reminds me of, there's a comedian called Larry Dean, a Scottish comedian, and he would do his, like, half his set, just, like, sort of laddie masculine and then halfway through a set announced that he was gay so that he was sort of subverting the expectations and that reminds yeah. me of, like, maybe what was happening with Baz. But, yeah, I love when you, it turns upside down the stereotypes, right? And that's what yeah. we love about it. And it makes you at least just question and go, like, oh, what's you know what's that well that's that's different yeah the show is just so fantastically does that so well in in many many ways um and yeah it's just been real honor honor and a pleasure um to be to be a part of it and and so sad it's over no right us too us too but we're 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 crossing our fingers for spinoffs at at the very least Mm -hmm. for you know someday obviously we have to wait until the writer's strike and potentially yeah, yeah. the actor strike is uh is over but you know what if it's for a good story we're happy to wait <laughs> yeah i'll yeah. take a comic relief sketch every so often you know like that's <laughs> right i'll take anything i can get to be honest <laughs> yeah yeah absolutely no I know, I know the feeling i know the feeling especially like being a diehard fan of, of many shows myself it's like yeah you just want anything i don't care yeah. give me which is actually why i read the buffy comics because the the whole show continued yeah. after Oh, nice. Yeah, that, that's my main foray into graphic novel. I love when shows do that. And they can yeah. do more with it because yeah. they have the budget constraints and, and things like that. So Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The Buffy ones were pretty good. I like them. I really like them too. I haven't quite finished them all yet, actually, so I'm still slowly getting through it, which is well, nice. Well, that counts as a book, so you can get that off. Yeah. You know, that can count off your list. So right. You're yeah. so Whether right. you're using Goodreads or Storygraph or one of those... I think it's like, story if graph you, I yeah, I like story graph a lot. Also, because it doesn't belong to <clears throat> the big evil Amazon. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's owned by Black women, uh, and so oh, I have, awesome. to, I have cool. to get behind that. Oh, great! But yeah, I I love it because you could just like type in the 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 ISBN or the title or whatever, and it'll be like, oh yeah, that's a book. And I'm like, yes, it counts. <laughs> Let's put it in. <laughs> I'm getting this. Well, my question was about, uh, you know, uh, a, a favorite book of Baz's. But since you said he's not much of a reader, maybe he had like a book that he was read 
when he was a kid or something that that mm-hmm. that got him into football or or something along those lines. What do you think about like that sort of a backstory of, of books he liked when he was younger or he was read to? <laughs> yeah, okay. I I like that. I mean, gosh, I'm I'm trying to think cuz I cuz we're so different. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah, yeah. Oh gosh. Um what are those like like horrid Henry type type books. They're like like just the naughty kid or um probably some like I think David Walliams writes a lot of books about those sort of like anti-hero type type people. Um and I think he'd probably enjoy those types of ones for sure when he was growing up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The naughty kid and how they somehow kind of become the hero of the story. That I works. I love it. That would be a nice <laughs> to identify with that. Um so we refer to you to you guys as P B and J. Because it works. It does. It does. So PB and J and May never interacted with any books. No. No. So if I mean, I although I I have in my in my canon, May has books that she ha- keeps behind the bar and tries to get you guys to read. <laughs> yes. <laughs> That's my own personal. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. But- much like how Annette is our mum on set and is always, you know, just there and just just being amazing always. I think like that's yeah. the same with May as well. She has that exact same thing, trying to broaden our horizons and and make us, you know, better people. <laughs> this is is definitely part of her. Um, I don't know, character's driver or raison d'être, maybe like you know, she should make yeah. make the boys, you know, better. Yeah, I think um, so. Now I'm trying to think if this actually made the cut or not, but there is reference to Eckhart Tolle, or there was at one point. I definitely filmed the scene, but whether it made it into the series, I can't remember. Remember that? No, I don't think so. So yeah, so something like The Power of Now or something like this, I think like this this kind of like the hope that kills you okay it's, it's quite a philosophical kind of like term and thinking laterally broadening horizons I think these kind of like spiritual books or something like that would be like a perfect kind of like book for one of us to be referencing or reading because I do think that as the series progressed our characters um, and, and particularly Baz I have to say it was his eyes were opened to almost like another way of life and so like yeah. having like, you know, like Ted, you know, Buzz has a difficult relationship with Ted, but at the same time, he kind of brought the team in some ways into, um, you know, PB&J and May's sphere, you know, it, they kind of did. And so he will always be a little bit grateful for that. He will never show it. But yeah, that's um. so yeah. So something like that, something that broadens their horizons and makes them think about existence the universe life in some way yeah she yeah. could she could do what she did to ted and stealth read them some poetry that they don't know as poetry mm-hmm. that that could probably work you know? i've loved that poem for years actually so seeing that in the in yeah uh, philip larkin's fantastic i love philip larkin so um i studied him at school actually um hence why i know him i love that that poem it's really really good um yeah he just says it like it is. He's very straightforward, his poetry, but it's it's very good. Um, so it's great to see May do that, definitely. Yeah. 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 Or maybe May will read the books herself and then just try to impart the knowledge, you yeah. know, get them to repeat the things. And <laughs> I think they would yeah. like that. 
Yeah, I think they find that easier. I think they're probably more like audible type guys. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. I... Yeah, no shame. The no. only reason my book count is not behind is because I do audiobooks ah. as well. Because <laughs> it helps on the commute, you know? You can't... Not... I can't read while riding the train, but I can listen yeah. to a book. <laughs> yeah, that's a really good that's a really good shout as well. Yeah, I need to get onto that. I think you're right. I think I need to listen to some more stuff. I'm six books behind. I need to go. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that'll you get the... your count up. That'll be Yeah. But nice. also, you know, my my what I say to other people who who worry about falling behind on their book count is, you know what? It's more books than you would have read if you didn't have that goal list, right? So I think you're in good shape. <laughs> you're right. You're right. Yeah, exactly. As soon as you sort of like make a goal, that's sort of half the journey done, isn't it? And then whatever you do, you know, be kind to yourself. Exactly. <laughs> See, we can say this to each other, but can we say it to ourselves? <laughs> Definitely not. Let's read more books. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Oh gosh, it's so annoying. But uh, yeah, I just um, it, it, I am very much that I'm faddish. So I'll go with something and I'll be like, yeah, I'm on this track. I'm reading loads. I'm reading loads. And then if I just slip off the fad, then my fad becomes not doing that thing. <laughs> so yes, hopefully we'll get there. Yeah. So we're getting into the nitty gritty a little with this question about Vaz. Yeah. In the early episodes of season three, we got some fascinating little glimpses into what was going on going on with PB&J. For the first match against West Ham, we see May chuck out a West Ham supporter for entering the pub. And that's followed by Baz looking absolutely stricken. Can you give us a bit more information about that? what was going on there? <laughs> a couple of people have asked me about this scene. And yeah, it does... <laughs> it's interesting it, it felt like it was alluding to something or there was something in that that that, that we didn't that we didn't you know explore too too heavily I don't know you know I think it was nice because it showed a moment where there was an outsider he's an outsider they have lives outside of that you know and I think it's that thing about showing the characters go from their very insular you know pub life just the three of us or four of us Richmond only you know no no outsiders allowed and then cut to like season three where it's like oh but we've got a mate and we like him and he's coming and and, you know, actually, like, you think Mike Baz might be the loudest, most hardcore Richmond fan, but there is no greater Richmond fan than May. Yes. So, you know Agreed. what I mean? Mm -hmm. And based on some of the reactions and some of the some of the um, Richmond's less fine moments, like, you you can tell that. Yeah, I think it was, um, I think it was alluding to the fact that the characters were growing and they were sort of spreading their wings a little bit in, in, in small ways, but meaningful ways. I don't know what Baz was thinking. Um, that was never going to go down well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but then it's funny how it's like, no, I'm spreading my wings. Like, we can have friends. We can open our hearts and minds to others. And then looks at his family. And they're like, no. And he's like, <laughs> oh, not happening. Oh, it, was so, it was so well played, though. It was, like, really cute. I liked Thank it. You. I love it, yeah. In conjunction with the whole Collins storyline this season, too, we're like, oh, maybe he's got a a West Ham boyfriend. <laughs> yeah, made her yes. date. <laughs> um, yep. Um, my my agent in America asked me that question if that was going to be something they were going to um, pursue as a storyline. Um, and I think maybe there might have been a, there might have been an allusion to it. Um, and I think like with the Keeley storyline and with the Collins storyline as well, I think like. Um, 
yeah and and i and i think it's like shaking up expectations of what you think people are yeah um versus and and so much about masculinity and ted lasso and about you know toxic masculinity and and friendship and platonic friendship and then obviously romantic relationships so i definitely think that there was something in that that, that perhaps there that it, it, it added to the general um landscape of the season which yeah. which was talking about that at the very least Head canon accepted. Um, it's yeah. it's in my brain Possibly. for good now. Thank you. Happy Pride <laughs> Month to Baz from the exactly good right, exactly. So yeah, what a great month to uh, to be asking us all about that. <laughs> yeah, I yeah, bumped yeah. into um to Colin's partner the other day actually, and I was like, why? I love your storyline. I'm so glad that they decided to go with that. Like it was it was something that I was really pleased to see in in this in the whole show. Like such an important like topic and and I think like um they can really do a lot of like amazing things with with the things that they're deciding to talk about so that was really pleasing for me to see oh yeah we were bawling all of us bawling our eyes yeah. out when he got to kiss his fellow on the pitch Love I it. know I know yeah it was it was emotional for sure um and I, I think too like you were just saying about people asking you a question about that scene I think one of the things that Ted Lasso did to loop a lot of people in that um I think maybe they maybe didn't realize how much people were keeping up was the details. And like, it became very clear very quickly that like, there wasn't anything that was added that there wasn't anything that was shown that didn't mean something. It almost seemed like that. Like, and we, we I think we all, all of the fans, right. Sort of like watching everything. Like, what do you think that? Oh, did, well, no, he did this. Oh, but I saw him turn his head over here. Oh, I saw, you know, like kind of a little obsessive. Well, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe you could say. That's what made it great about that the fans the fans were obsessive, but also were very you know um, observational about stuff. Um, yeah, and and I think yeah, I think it was um, coming across um, you know Coach Facebook Club that I was like, oh, they're right, they're up. Oh yeah, because if that and then and you know and I started to piece things together as well. So even you know having having been in it, I only see it when you're shooting it you only see a small sort of like facet of it so um seeing all the different theories and all the different things that other people were noticing was was yeah. like an education for me as well um right, but you're right. like the, the mise-en-scene was very deliberate and everything was yeah there for a reason and, and right. that makes it sets it apart from a lot of other shows as well I think right but then causes us to be like oh well what was that and you're like I don't I don't know you should have seen the state of us when a whole bookshelf came on the group <laughs> chat went mental oh my god i've seen it when you're zooming into them and you're like what is this book somebody help and then people are like i think yeah people are finding like, it them. <laughs> it's amazing it really is it really is and, and i think that like you know um the, the the fans have have illuminated the show in many 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 ways um unexpected ways so that's been really really fun to see cool all right so if there was a season four or some kind of spin-off that happens mm -hmm. um what would you like to see for the storyline for baz may and the other pub lads mm. yeah i mean i'd love to see them getting out the pub more Anytime we got to go out the pub, we'd be like, oh, amazing. I love, we love the pub, obviously. Please don't, don't get that wrong. But um, just nice to stretch our legs, have some fresh air, you know. I think I think what what works with the boys and May as well, but particularly the, the three lads, is is this is the thing that I just sort of touched on there, is about that that 
being a man um, in in today's society, or, you know, which is obviously not particularly difficult, obviously, but, you know, how do you navigate those emotions and, and things like that, that, you know, are playing on people's minds and having to have that facade all the time. And so, yeah, I think maybe like, finding a way an outlet maybe for them finding their their hobbies or a passion or something maybe away from Richmond not to not to like you know change the topic football will always be part of their you know whole whole lives but finding new things and exploring new places like gosh and I, I don't know like um we have a show here called um, um the inbetweeners I don't know if any of you you've probably seen it. Yeah, they made an American one, but oh dear. Oh, oh really? Oh, okay. Yeah. But um, <laughs> there's a similarity between um, between us and the in betweeners in many ways. I can see them going on holiday like they did and stuff like that. So maybe something around that. But I do think there's something more spiritual, something like you know, thinking about the greater good, universal kind of thought. Um, I don't know what, but I did feel like while we were filming the third season, like our characters were going like that. Like, you know, when Jeremy comes in, he's like, I got a job, which we which we loved because we were like, what's what jobs he got? Like, what's Jeremy's <laughs> new job? And we were like, we're talking about what could it be? Um, I was sure he was going to be a waiter at Ola's just with the way they cut when he was like, I've got a job. And it cut straight to Ola's. And I was like, he's going to be working at Ola's. This is what Andrea was on about. We really analysed it. <laughs> They missed a trick, didn't they? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, so so something around that, you know, um, shifting up into being being a man, no, not being a boy anymore. I know these 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 lads are probably you know men by biological standards, but maybe like emotionally and mentally haven't had the opportunity to explore. Yeah, the the, the sentimental side and all that. So yeah, I'd, I'd love that would be an amazing you know season four. Bring it I, up. I'd... <laughs> I'd also like to the, see them ever have the opportunity to uh, go to a game. You know, there is something that's so amazing about the energy in the pub and, and all of that. But like, I, I'd love for them to like, I buy them tickets. It's all right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, that was um, for sure. That kind of like, um, yeah, we would definitely have gone to a game. I think if it was a real life, we probably would have been at one or two, maybe the big ones, you know, it's expensive, of course. Um but then you, you just... can get six pints for the price of a ticket, and I think me would. And Jeremy kill just got a job, so <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's yeah. true. Jeremy got a job, so he should be paying for us. You know, <laughs> that's right. Yeah, you're right. It's 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 about cheap cheapness. It's cheap drinks. We know where we are. May lets me sleep there, so um, yeah, that was I'm great. Sure. <laughs> that was great. Yeah. Talking about leaving the pub. Beard After Hours was a really unique episode in the, the Ted Lasso series, and it's a favourite here at the book club. Um, what were your thoughts when you first read that script? Um, well, when we'd heard from, like, through the grapevine quite um, a few weeks or even maybe a month beforehand, they were like, somebody, I don't even remember who said it to us, but somebody was like, don't tell anyone, but you're going to be getting out the pub. <laughs> it's like we're in jail. Um, <laughs> we're on day release. Um, and we were like, what, 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 what could that be? What could that mean? You know? And um, then eventually the script came through and, and we were like, I was like flicking through it. And then, you know, you, the first thing you you do, I, you know, you usually do, particularly when you have sort of separate scenes, is you sort of look for the scenes that you'll be doing. Yeah. Um, and I just saw, you know, our names, like, a lot more yeah. <laughs> than, your, than usual. So um, it was really emotional, um, to be honest with you. It was um, just like, for me, the first time there was some like 
in in my career you know some like juicy stuff doing um on screen so i was so excited and um grateful and, and thankful i definitely shed a tear i was like oh my god we're gonna get a bit of an episode with beard like it's cute um so but um in terms of like what you're talking about where how like the the episode is sort of, sort of like um it, it feels tonally very different i didn't really quite pick up on that quite until we started to see things like the costumes and like you know the locations and the scenarios obviously we knew we knew what was happening but seeing it in real time it's like oh this is a bit of like a homage to many different films you know and pieces so um and then obviously watching it um watching its final product final final product was like oh this is a nuts episode <laughs> like oh, we really love it here. and obviously came at such a time when um I think that the the moment that happens before it is the um is it um the Man City game that that yeah and and that Tart and Ken have hug don't they yeah mm. so then to go wham we're going over here now was <laughs> <laughs> uh, what but um I like to think I mean I'm I'm so glad you like it because I really really liked that episode I think it just showed a real ability to look at so many different things and topics and not um not you know um. Yeah, and, and not leave any characters aside. I mean, particularly Coach Beard. Like, he's so funny. And for him to have, like, so much material and, you know, be be that protagonist in that episode was so deserving. Like, he's, he's so fantastic. So, yeah, it was um, it was a really wild ride. Lots of night. Um, bottle episodes are difficult. And, you know, there's, there's, they're really hard to get right. And honestly, everybody, in my opinion, nailed it. It's one of my favourite episodes. Oh, I just, I really enjoy it. So it's I see, see people online saying um, they, um, they're like liking it more and more than like the second time they watch it, you know, yeah. with, with an overview of the whole series. Now you can see it and you can like, like, you know, take it for what it is rather than being like, but I want to find out about, you know, the main, main yeah. story. <laughs> yeah. But I, right. I love that as well because it teases the storyline out a bit. And I know it was because Apple added the episodes later and that's why it's done that. But it, I mean, for being slotted in, you can't really tell. It's almost like the art in that. Oh, we mm. want to see what happens with Jamie and Roy. Are they friends now? But first we're going to go and get absolutely pissed with Beard and have a laugh. And it was just, I love it. I couldn't be without it. Yeah. Oh, good. I'm so glad. The tone shift is amazing too, because it, like, if the show was called Beard and not Ted Lasso, this is what it would look like, right? <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, that's a spin-off. That's a cool spin-off. <laughs> and I mean, I just find the him and Jane relationship just absolutely bonkers and hilarious. And it makes me chuckle so much, like, particularly when, like, Jane, like, jumps out on him <laughs> in the restaurant or wherever they are, and it just killed me. So, yeah, I, I love, I'd love to, I'd watch, I'd watch lots of that. I would, definitely. I think right, my so favourite is the creepy church, sorry, just when you're saying with Beard and Jane is when Beard goes to the funeral and he's like FaceTiming Jane about the church and I'm like, it's so creepy, it's just wonderful, I love it. They are just wacky, wacky people made for each other. All right, so I'm going to switch gears and ask about a different show and you mentioned Terry Pratchett earlier, so you were in Good Omens. Yeah, I was, yeah. And so you played Richard Burbage, who was a famous actor of the time, performing Hamlet to this absolutely sparse crowd that has uh, Crowley and Aziraphale. So had you read Good Omens before you were cast in that? I, I had it, actually. I did know of the book, but I hadn't read it. I think it, 
you know, I don't know if you guys do this, you, you're probably slightly more prolific readers than I, but I'm uh, very, I'll pick it up, I'll read a few chapters and then I'll forget about it and put it down. And it was one of those ones that I had um, had and was going to read and, and hadn't got around to finishing. So yeah, so I, um, I was, yeah, I was, I was aware of it. Um, yeah. And so what was it like? Cause you're delivering a famous soliloquy in that scene. And the, I mean, there's some heavy, you got Michael Sheen, you got David Tennant. That must've been a heck of a room to be a background sort of giving a speech in. Like, what was, what was that like? It's like hard enough going into a show just for a half a day. It was a half a day. I was doing a play as well. And I thought I was really close to not being able to do it. And they'd managed to rejig something. So I was doing a tech rehearsal and they'd managed to rejig it so that I could definitely do it. Um, and so it's bad enough going into something like that for a half a day because you're already like a bit of a fish out of water and you have to go deliver and then go away again. Um, and then to be doing Hamlet, you know, which is iconic anyway, and then to be doing it at the globe which is you know obviously iconic as well and then you've got david tennant and michael sheen in front of you and reese shearsmith as well who are all fantastic and obviously david tennant and michael sheen have played hamlet um yeah that was an experience um, so have you done have you done shakespeare before have you done much shakespeare or i played hamlet <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> yeah, I um I, I played I'm when I was training at drama school, I, I played Hamlet. We did a um version of Hamlet in a secret nuclear bunker. Um, which was yeah, there's a there's a place near Essex, um, and it's called the Secret Nuclear Bunker. And it has signposts along the way. Secret nuclear bunker this way. <laughs> yeah, is, um, that seems the secret may be out. Defeats the um, a little, yeah, no, um, but it's all weird and set up as if as if there was some kind of like nuclear warfare. I think it was um, in like the seventies or eighties, or you know, before you know, um, during that time where there was a threat, they they'd created it. But now it's sort of like a museum type thing. Um, so, anyways, yeah, I've, I'd I'd played Hamlet before, um, and I have to say, one of the most like like great great experiences um even though i was you know just at drama school doing it it was like wow it was epic and it was so much fun but when i went to the audition for good omens um douglas mckinnon who's the director i was auditioning for the green alien um in it and this yeah this is like um there's a couple of them i think but there's well, an alien anyways um at the end of the at the end of the audition he asked if i remembered any of my Hamlet monologues. And um, yeah, I, stuff really does stay on my head, particularly if you do it a lot, particularly Shakespeare actually, because it's it's quite lyrical or it can be. And so it kind of sits in that place in your brain, like a song where it, <clears throat> you can still remember it. Um, and so, yeah, I did To Be or Not To Be, which was obviously the soliloquy that he does in Good Omens. And, um, and then I got the role. So that was fortuitous. And, and I was lucky that I did do Hamlet and had it <laughs> in my head, yeah. That's awesome. That's fantastic. I love it. So the alien, was that the ones that pull over Pulsifer on his way to Tadfield? There you go. All yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. You yeah, you yeah, you're exactly right. And which is funny now because um Laura, who actually plays that um character, Laura Evelyn, um, is a friend of mine now. I met her after the fact and I was like, Oh, I, I auditioned for that role. Oh cool. Yeah, and now we're friends. So weird world. Marita asked about the heavy hitter actors, but I'm more concerned about did you meet Neil Gaiman? I did meet Neil Gaiman. The guy that is Neil Gaiman. Yeah, he's yeah. amazing. Yes, oh my yes. God. <laughs> Tell me about it. <laughs> um, I, I met Neil Gaiman. I, um, he was there on set because he was obviously the showrunner for it. So he was, he was um, but I met him more 
one to one when we went and did some like ADR afterwards. So we were I I re-recorded some of the some of the the speak the dialogue and stuff. Um and and then I met him met him properly there and, and had a chat and he's just really, really kind and lovely. Definitely. Yeah. Really truly great man and um a great writer as well. So it was really lovely to meet. I can't uh, wait for the second season. Right. A friend of mine, um, we went to meet him and uh, get some comic books autographed Sandman and her mother had died like the year before. And he had a line of people getting out. It was like out the store. And he was telling her about how his, her mom died. He talked to her for 30 minutes and he drew all over her comic book and was like talking to her. Like, Oh, that man's a God. Okay. That's (laughs) yeah. He, yeah. Yeah. I'm not surprised actually. That's a really, that seems really kind. Um, And he, yeah, definitely was very kind to us to us all but for, to me yeah yeah all right oh. so back back on track <laughs> that was an indulgent question i'm sorry to everybody no don't um, see it. it's relevant definitely um you said you loved you said that you were a buffy fan so when you met rupert this what is the question rupert rupert is rupert rupert as rupert <laughs> bad rupert good rupert yeah exactly right exactly that um that was a seminal moment for me I have to say because you know I grew up on it Buffy is like such a massive show was such a massive show in my teen years you know obviously huge huge show um so um yeah meeting Tony was I I read the call sheet and I like double took on the name when I first found out that he was playing Rupert I didn't like it. I did some pressure. I'm not going to lie. Because I was like, oh, what do I do? What do I do? Um, I was like, be cool. Just be cool, you know? And I was like, part of me really wanted to be like, I just want to say I'm such a huge Buffy fan. And then part of me was because it was season one and I was still like feeling, finding my way a little bit. I was like, no, be professional. Just just kind of keep it keep it there. And we did chat. But I, I didn't mention Buffy, but we played this game on set quite a lot where you have to it's just a b c d e f g and you have the the topic and you go around you'd be like movies and you'd be like a b and you have to name it otherwise you get you know sent out and um we played with tony and one of them was songs and that was it it was oh oh and so we'd done a a variation on it and it was songs with the word fire in it Mm. and i was like really sort of like on the edge of my seat just really wanted to be like I touch the fire and it freezes me. <laughs> <laughs> you should have. Um, I should have. I know. He's such like, a sweetheart. Oh, okay, I'm just know. This is the yeah. thing. Like, it's that. It's that kind of like. You know, hindsight's twenty twenty. Conflicting thing when you're in that situation. Mm-hmm. I'd love to be braver, and I think maybe that maybe next time, next time, hopefully I'll see him again, and I'll be like, oh. You just God. never know, though. It's scary because you you know what if they're an yeah. arsehole, but he's definitely the complete opposite of an arsehole, isn't he? He's yeah. really nice. Very nice. Yeah. Agree. <laughs> so yeah, that was a great moment. A great moment. <laughs> so you said you were diehard part of of several shows. So beyond Buffy, what else? What are your other shows that you're? That's a great one. Um, okay, so uh, I mean, I love I love Friends. That's that's a comedy that I will always always love. Just grew up in it, you know. Friends and Frasier for me. Oh, Frasier, comedies. I love Frasier. Yeah, I love Frasier, and then I also and like I you know Christopher Lloyd. I love Modern Family as well. Um, I love my comedy. I love that sort of, sort of sitcom stuff. Um, I'm, you know, I'm, I really enjoy, well, like the fantasy world of, of things. I suppose I was into Charmed <laughs> back in the day as yeah, well. Yeah, Charmed was great. Yeah, yeah. We were talking about Charmed the other day, actually. It's me and some friends and about how um, 
yeah, just how that era was great. And I think those shows, particularly like Buffy and Charmed, but like, you know, that kind of like fantasy show that that went on for so many years and started to encourage show writers to think of like story arcs that spanned across the whole series as opposed to sort of like episodic yeah. story and then you know game of thrones and you know that era of stuff comes in where it's like you know these amazing epic storylines and and suddenly you're getting more detail than a film even give mm. you and so i think we have like those shows to thank for that idea about about that kind of thing. Bex knows all about that. She's a supernatural, well, I am too, but Bex more so is a supernatural fan. And they managed oh. to do 15, 15 years of the overarching stories. So <laughs> I think that's unfair because I never watched Supernatural. And, and not to say that Supernatural is bad, but why couldn't all the shows I watched got 15 series? Because I would. Fair. <laughs> well, listen, right? when they only get three, for example, Ted Lasso, they end in ways that you like. When mm. they get 15, you're like, what is going to happen? How is this going to end? And uh, honestly, I know that there's uh, there's different opinions on the ending of Ted Lasso. We are generally, we're fans of that ending here. But for me, you know, I'm like, honestly, my bar is very low to begin with because Supernatural ended so terribly <laughs> that like nothing could, <laughs> nothing could be bad. Nothing can but- hurt you anymore. But honestly, I truly do love the ending of Ted Lasso. It worked out in a way that I thought, because as as we've mentioned on here, we we kind of watch the show like we're reading a book in a sense, like we're reading the story and you're going to have things tied up, but it might not be the way you thought it was going to be. And that's what makes for a good story is that you couldn't predict the ending. Yeah. Or at least not fully. (laughs) <laughs> yeah and and I think I think you you know there's 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 a small hope a dramatic hope in us that something really huge really like shocking twist or like you know one of these things is going to happen unfortunately life isn't like that and I think that kind of is the the, the vibe of Ted Lasso as well it, it, it's it's um it's gorgeous and it's heartfelt and it's real and I don't think I think it ended in with the in the way that the show should have ended in a really like yeah. warm satisfying maybe like oh slightly bittersweet but you know you you kind of want it I think you want a bit of bittersweet because yeah. it's just it gives that that pathos and yeah yes. I, I love I love hearing that from someone on the show as well you know that yeah. like because we're, we're in like a fan bubble a lot of times and you get different perspectives but to have someone who's like yeah I was a part of this world creating mm-hmm. it and such or like being like you know I know you didn't write it or what but like you created this world by being mm-hmm. the character that that you found satisfaction in that ending too so thanks for <laughs> thanks for that <laughs> yeah I think um yeah yeah and I'm not not to say that that Ted's ending is is bittersweet um but like what was what was sort of like interesting was it felt like the the maybe the smaller characters were having their kind of like happy ending, which is yeah. really great to see because you root for them and you're like, oh, and like, you know, we got shares in the pub and and this kind of thing. And Colin's kissing his boyfriend on the pitch and like um, they're just getting these like really warm, happy endings. And then and hot Dutch guy. Yeah. That's well, well <laughs> I, I agree. I actually I fell in love with them as a couple when I watched um, mm-hmm. Sunflowers. I was just like. 
and I was so, I mean I I I always wanted Trish to be right <laughs> you know I was like go on Trish yeah she's doubting you but but I as soon as they saw them together I was like for me it was like this yeah. this is the relationship that she needs like mm-hmm. and I know a lot of people were shipping Ted and Rebecca but I think I feel like that was the right that was the right way to go for sure yeah. um but yes but but there, I would say for the the Ted character for Ted's character there are maybe more questions that uh, the audience might have about what yeah. does this future look like what is happening there you know and and not getting a hard and exact answer on that is um I suppose it's, it's where people might be a little frustrated but I think it was right and yeah. I think it's the right thing we just had the Wizard of Oz um, in our last episode, and when you're saying like the bittersweet end, and that's what felt like at the end of the Wizard of Oz as well, because there was so many people getting happy endings, but she had to leave, and you know, it's like ET as well, like it's it's breaking your heart, but it's mending your heart at the same time, you know. It's a really good point. Like your protagonist has this really hard decision to make, and then everyone that they leave behind is getting their happy ending, but you're like, oh, but they need you. It's like yeah. Mary Poppins goes, and like absolutely. Yes. Very yeah. Much so. oh, yeah. And um, I, Pete's Dragon was a film that I loved when I was growing up. It is just oh, so great. And I used to watch it over and over and over and over again. Um, and that has that same theory, um, that same theme, doesn't it? Of like, yeah, there while they need him and then he can go. Yeah. Oh, I'm learning things. Oh, yeah. It's making me think about it now. I'm like, I'm, I'm, I'm with you. <laughs> I'm going to start a Twitter account. <laughs> yeah, do it. <laughs> Come join the book club. Yeah. <laughs> but with Ted Lasso bringing so much awareness to mental health and toxic masculinity, and recently you were in Black Ops, which is using comedy to sort of draw attention to racism and sort of uh, drug use in, in um, estates and things like that. What are your feelings on comedies that do sort of bring attention to more darker, serious issues? I think comedies, I think they, I think they should. I mean... It's, it's it's different isn't it it's like sometimes the the thing that they'll talk about is 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 subtle and and it's not clearly going for it um do you know what I don't think there's I said they should I don't think there's any real um reason for any any show really to do something hard-hitting or to be a certain thing but I think comedy is an amazing vehicle where you can you can laugh and cry with it you can see like the reality and the pain of it but also just be able to like let it loose and just be like oh that was funny and that was like and then you say something and and these characters are saying things that you wouldn't say or like what someone might think but then they say it and you're like oh they said that you know and um I think I think that's that's the beauty of comedy um in this day and age where you know you have to really sometimes really be careful about what you say and 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 you know like it or, or not there's a lot of you know people that um you know worried about offending people and all this this kind of thing i think that's that's very much in our in our zeitgeist at the moment so mm-hmm. um i think it's really great when we can just be like bah! you know and yeah. and be, I feel safe that it's it's part of a comedy, and that usually and hopefully that the writers are w- in a space where they are allowed to to say what it is that they're saying. Yeah, but, but yeah, that's just the great thing about comedy. I think is that you really just can like just say the things that sort of people are thinking. Or yeah, yeah it's definitely evolved from you know the early sitcoms to we. There's a lot of didactic, you know, episodes. Even Modern Family, you know, like 
yeah, I find that, and I'm a big Modern Family fan as well. So thanks for answering that one. Well, cool. Yeah, no worries. Yeah, well, yeah, Modern Family. I mean, there's 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 layer upon layer upon layer in, in that show. It's yeah, it's, the farce episodes are my favourite. I literally was just about to say artists are fantastic because the they're very Frasier like led right it feels this like it, this is precisely yeah you know like the, the episode of Frasier where they're at the ski lodge and oh. going into different bedrooms and stuff like that and it's just like, like Vegas and yeah modern yeah. family yeah precisely I love with, um, Stephen Merchant's in that episode isn't he like yeah and oh. he's in two episodes isn't he yeah he comes oh, back for the, the fancy hotel that Alex stays at that's the oh oh no yeah yeah and exactly. David Beckham I think and Courtney Cox is in it as well oh <laughs> so random it's but, Martin's yeah. in an episode as well and he's actually quite funny too so, yeah, yeah, it's so weird, but yeah, I do. I love the first episode. So, but it's still they still you still learn, you know they're still approaching topics that maybe comedy for somebody like me, I think learns a lot better when I'm laughing than mm. when somebody's just talking at me, you know. So yeah, yeah, I definitely. do love it. I think we all need to be able to to laugh more and just enjoy enjoy ourselves, and and yeah, hopefully things like Ted Lasso and all these other comedy shows can like Shit's Creek. I mean, I, and that was, oh, I, I love it. I, actually what I'd say as well, I sort of talk about Shit's Creek because Shit's Creek and Ted Lasso for me are actually quite similar in their vibe. Mm-hmm. Um, and the beauty, beautiful thing about Ted Lasso was that it came out during COVID and it was such a well-timed thing because it felt like a warm hug and everyone was like, this is so lovely, but also we're not being mean and we're not being, yeah. you know, offensive to people. Mm-hmm. We're just kind of really like embracing, embracing it. And I think Shit's Creek does that as well. You know, you, you grow to, you grow to love, love, love these ultimately originally like quite loathsome characters. Yeah. And they can make you do that and make you see the humanity in them. Um, that's sort of like a lesson, isn't it? In yeah. life for everyone. And they mm-hmm. sort of did the same thing with Alexis's ending as well, is that you didn't get, you know, the whole tied up in a bowl little, you got, this was a new start yeah. for her at the end of the story. So yeah, it's really- Absolutely. And that was just great. Like I could when yeah, that was, oh, I don't know spoilers in there either, just in case people haven't watched yeah, it. Yeah, in case you haven't yeah. seen it, but yeah, that destroyed me as well. But... Same, old my eyes up. <laughs> This is fantastic. This has been fantastic. Yeah, this has been wonderful. Thank you so much. Um, So what do you have coming up that we can look forward and seeing you in? Gosh, it's such a bad timed question, unfortunately. I'm I'm, I'm doing something. I'm going to be in something. I'm really excited about it. I I can't say anything about it. But you have something. But what I can say is that it's um, an adaptation of a novel. Yeah. So that might, you know, um I don't know tantalize your appetites a little bit oh it for... does yes I know and I would love to talk about it but when I can I'll be screaming it from the rooftops so if you you, you follow me on Instagram or social oh, we do then you will, you will <laughs> we, we will look forward to that we'll keep an eye out yeah yeah, yeah I'm really excited about that yeah it's sort of frustrating as an actor because you just want to be able to use everything and talk about everything and plug everything but um yeah for now for now it's under wraps <laughs> oh, I know. We haven't told a soul that we're interviewing you because we were too scared that you know <laughs> we messed it up or something and we couldn't share it. And then we'd, we'd said it. So we, on a smaller scale, we understand. Yeah. And then people would come with pitchforks and then that would be that. <laughs> exactly. That's funny. Um, so thank you so much for joining us here. Uh, but before we wrap things up, we just wanted to make sure that like, was there anything that we didn't ask that you'd like to discuss, whether it's about books, the show? something else you know just well firstly thank you so much for having me it's really really nice to chat to you and what's so lovely as well I have to say like (laughs) this is not a diss of football at all but it's so nice that the show has 
found fans in like so many different realms of things you know there's 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 a fan account called afc stitchmond do you follow that yes yeah oh, wonderful and yeah cool. absolutely and i've you can see behind michaela i've been stitching um various things too cool. so i made her an ornament that ah uh, yes Ted and santa ted on it so i uh, nothing on the level of what afc stitchman does but yes it's a christmas yeah. decoration but i keep it up all year round wow beautiful <laughs> well it's usually it feels like christmas in scotland doesn't it but uh... <laughs> absolutely <laughs> but yeah so it's just it's just so nice that that it's really found loads of different pockets um and really appealed to so many so many different types of people um i think that's what's so special about the show so i just want to thank you guys because the fan accounts and the fans on twitter and instagram and everywhere have literally been so cool um and i know like you know me and the other two lads and may have all followed and seen all your stuff and and we, we thank you for shouting about us and and sharing stuff and yeah just being really really fantastic it's what's made this really special for everyone i know that for a fact everyone's been so away by the response so we want to thank you as well so thank you thank you thank you that's awesome thank that's you really awesome. <laughs> yeah that's awesome yeah um, and yeah you know if you go to richmond definitely check out the the prince of feathers and gosh it's not princess head i want to call it the, the prince's head thank you <laughs> 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 yeah, that's bad that's bad publicity for them it's the crown of that's only because i did a section on the pub for the book club and that's ah, the only okay. reason I know that. So that was cheating. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's good. It's just it's a shame because it's we're always referring it to as, as the crown and anchor, so it's hard to remember. But um, but yes. Oh, thank you so much. No, thank you. And like Adam said, you can follow him on Twitter and Instagram at Adam Colburn One. That's to right. Catch up to see what you're up to in the future. Yeah. And I'm on Cameo as well now, newly. So. Oh, oh, nice. Good to know. Right. <laughs> That that'll like be what? an exciting one to share. People like, people okay. love cameos. Yeah, I've seen a yeah. Netflix cameo at Christmas. How, how many strange. people want you to scream "piss off wanker" at their friends? Yeah, right. This is it. This is it. I, I somebody actually recognized me on the tube the other day, and they wanted a picture, and I was like, "Do you want to like me smiling, or or shall I just like?" give you the finger <laughs> and I, was like, <laughs> I went for the latter it was more in character I felt but um <laughs> yeah getting asked for an Aussie yeah I said my brain went directly to like a cameo for the Hamlet the Hamlet speech there oh, gosh, like... <laughs> yeah. I'd love to give some uh, some Shakespeare you know it's just it's a different a different side of, of uh, the whole acting gig you know if, if anyone wants Shakespeare I'll do it yeah great Hamlet I'll do it love it <laughs> love it we would love to have you back, actually, if we wanted to read something. Yeah. We, yeah. Could, we could help you with your book here, you know, your book here. Okay, cool. And I'll we would give you plenty of time to yeah. read the book and come back. Okay, cool. That sounds good. Yeah. Something like sci-fi dystopia, maybe. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, we'll find, well, or, yeah, we'll find everything. Actually, no, don't listen to me. You could just completely broaden my horizons, really. That, that's also good to say. <laughs> Since we did get that amazing assist from so many people and we know like everything on Nate's bookshelf, you know, for, for books from the show now, we just have this enormous list. I could not believe how people were like seeing a little blurry corner of something and being like, oh, yeah, that's. But you measured a, a Shakespeare book. Like you literally well, no, looked I was... the measurements, right, to try and figure out what one of them was. And I was like, this is amazing. Okay, but that wasn't recognition. That was just. I mean, I went to an engineering school, right? I'm like a science nerd. And I was like, okay, so so we have these books and they're different in these size and we know what size this other book is. So we can figure out which this is. No, it was just, that was just math. Yeah, you just that's, put that's, yourself that's down because my jaw was on the floor when I saw that all worked 
Oh my God, that's brilliant. So which which book was that? Which book did you figure out that it was? There was a an episode or an episode, a, a, a volume of Shakespeare from the, I think it's Everyman's Library Collection. It, yes. I take the dust jackets off of mine, but they look generally like this. Yeah. And it was on Nate's bookshelf. And so it was clearly by the colors they used in the dust jacket and like the edition that it was, it was clearly one of the Shakespeare ones, but we couldn't read the title, but we knew what the book next to it was. And so by finding out how, how thick, like in reality that book is and just comparing it in the image, we could figure out how many pages that Shakespeare edition was and they're all different pages. So I think it was one of the volumes of comedies. So yeah, sorry. That's super. No, I love it. I was just I, so, but you weren't able to find like. Did you sit down to like the exact one, or was it always oh, a volume of comedies? Oh, it's a volume. So there's the, the that um that series has two volumes of comedies, and so we were able to figure out which one it was. It's yeah, multiple plays. So right, okay, cool. Yeah, now I'm like thinking, I'm like, oh, what what sort of like Shakespearean character would Nate's Sorry, yeah. arc kind of or Shakespeare play would would, would most uh, align to his um yeah to his. To his that is a good question. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're going nowhere, so there's plenty of time. We we are in this there's, for there was a va- We found a vampire book too. Yeah, well, there was a vampire book. That's right. That's right. One of the one of the people recognized a vampire book. What was that? Oh, Andrea, have I you read that remember. book? I don't remember. Okay, remember. you know me and, me, and you can't don't get me. Don't ask me by, a name like that. It was by an Irish author, but I don't remember yeah. who it was. He was pretty jazzed that somebody identified his book, though. We've had a few yeah, authors. Yeah, we've had a few authors. I am on Lasso. Oh, really? Like the actual author? I mean, yeah. That's so yeah. Cool. I mean, yeah, especially that's... like one of the books on the shelf, because it's not, it wasn't immediately apparent to them that their book was on the show. So somebody would ID it and tag the author and the author. Be... I mean, I can imagine how thrilled I'd be if I. I love that. Yeah, you're bringing joy. You're bringing joy to authors. It's, it's really, really nice. <laughs> yeah. This has been so fun. Thank you so much. <laughs> Thank you for having me. Thank you very much. It's really, really nice to be asked to come and talk about it. Um, and yeah, and our little little piece of what we do on it, because um, it's such a great big show, as you know. And yeah, we're just we're just honoured and, and and love 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 talking to you guys. So thank you again. Oh yeah, thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. Follow us on Twitter at Beards Book Club or send us an email at CoachBeardsBookClub at gmail.com. Subscribe to us on Spotify, Stitcher, Apple Podcast, or wherever else you get your podcasts. Share us with your friends and family and leave a five-star review.